أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل لقطة من لسان يفقه قولي رب زدني علما اللهم إني أعوذ بك من البرس والجنون والجذام ومن سيل أسقام اللهم إني أعوذ بك من البرس والجنون والجذام ومن سيل أسقام اللهم إني أعوذ بك من البرس والجنون والجذام ومن سيل أسقام اللهم رب الناس إذا بالبأس واشفي أنت الشافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما My brothers and sisters, I begin by asking Allah to forgive us, thanking Him for all the ni'mah, the barakah that He gives us on a daily basis. And I ask Allah to relieve us of this calamity that has befallen the humanity, not just in the UK, but across the globe, the pandemic that we are all witnessing. We hope and pray that we are able to overcome this very quickly. Today, I want to talk about two very important issues. One is to do with protecting our children. Another one is to do with protecting our societies from the COVID-19 pandemic. Let me start by talking about protecting our children. Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran says, وَعْبُدُ اللَّهُ وَلَا تُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْئًا now, this verse is in Surah 4, verse 36, where Allah says, Worship Allah and associate nothing with Him. And be good to your parents and to your relatives. And the verse continues. Brothers and sisters, children are a gift from Allah to all of us. A ni'mah that Allah gives us all. A bundle of joy, love, and continuity of human race. I still remember my firstborn. I remember it vividly. My daughter, when she was born, I couldn't stop crying for a very long time, not out of sadness, but out of joy, seeing what Allah has given me as a gift. I took delight in doing everything. I think I was the first one to change a nappy. I was the first one to hold her. I was the first one to do anything and everything possible because I took honor and delight in bringing this new life, the gift of Allah, into my family. I remember holding her in my hand, a couple of, maybe 20 minutes old, half an hour old, when my mother came to see us. She was waiting outside. And when I saw my mother, I couldn't stop crying. And I said to my mother, Mom, I'm really sorry if I've given you the same pain as I witnessed my wife giving, going through while delivering this child. I'm really sorry. And I was crying. My mother said, son, don't worry. It's okay. It's been a long time. But I haven't forgotten it, she said. She goes to me, let me, remind, let me ask you a question. I said, Mom, what's the question? She said, your wife is giving birth, has given birth to your firstborn. I said, yes. She goes, where is she right now? I said, right in front of you. No, she goes, where exactly? I said, in a hospital. Son, when I gave birth to you, I gave birth to you in the middle of a jungle. I said, what? 
She goes, how many doctors and nurses has she got around? I said, loads. Whole hospital full of doctors and nurses. And dedicated to her service are at least two midwives and four doctors. And then many other nurses. She goes, I had nobody except one lady. And she was not a nurse, not a doctor. She said, my son, how many hours was your wife in labor for? I said, 14, 15, maybe even more. She said, I was in labor for three days. And she said to me, and son, remember, I was not allowed to make a whimper because there were army surrounding our village. Gunfire is what I could hear every few seconds, bombs blasting away in every direction. And in that context, I gave birth to you. I'm a war baby, as they call me. Some of you are smiling, thinking, yes, we know why you're so fiery. But brothers and sisters, leaving that aside, I was born in Bangladesh in 1971, in the thick of war between Bangladesh and Pakistan. The reason why I tell you this story is because my child had experienced nothing like that at birth. She was born in a sterile environment. Allah gives a child to develop in the womb of a mother. That sterile environment called mother's womb is so sterile, it's completely covered with liquid. A child floats inside the liquid, lives inside the liquid like a fish. This, the environment is so sterile, nothing can harm the child. Nothing can pre prevent the child from progressing and developing. Nothing. Allah called it Raham. Part of, part of his own name, Ar-Rahman. Raham is the name of mother's womb. A place of perpetual mercy and bliss. Your child is born and you bring your child to this world and you see the child, you hug the child, you kiss the child, you name the child, you celebrate the, night, you celebrate the arrival of the child, you do so many good things with the child. This child is a ni'mah, an amana from Allah and this child must always be protected no matter what happens. It must always be protected. Yesterday in the news I saw 30 men from up north were charged for child sexual exploitation. And one, but all 29 of those names were Muslim sounding names. There are 30 names listed and I read them all and I published them on my own Facebook. All 30 out of them, one except one, 29 of them had Muslim sounding names. Child sexual exploitation. I'm not suggesting that Muslims do this en masse. I'm not suggesting that. Pedophilia in our country is a crime, is a menace, is immoral, is abomination. Must be punished, doesn't matter who does it. And it has no religion, no cultural background. It is wrong, it is wrong. But I am addressing a Muslim crowd. And it makes me embarrassed to see a list of 30 people's names who are being charged out of 30, 29 of them have a Muslim name and they're being charged for child sexual exploitation. It makes me sick to the core to read such names. I address this issue because 
is an issue that needs to be addressed. When I was teaching my child how to protect herself, my daughter, I said to my daughter, if anybody touches you anywhere in any part of your body, you tell your dad, I will see to that person, I will go and make sure that they never do this again to anybody else. I have every right to say that to my own daughter. I'll protect her honor with my life. Protecting our children, whether they're your children or anyone else's children, is an obligation given by Allah upon the entire humanity. Every single one of us, Muslims or non-Muslims. If a single child is ever exploited, if a single child is ever violated, wallahi, the whole society has failed miserably in my view. The second point I want to raise to you, my brothers and sisters, is that children are used as a weapon by parents when they're fighting between themselves. It's child abuse if you're using your child as a weapon, as a go-between. You want to tell your wife off, you tell your child to tell your wife off. You want to tell your husband something, you tell your child so that the child will go and tell the father. That's abusing your child's innocence. Don't get them involved. Keep them protected out of your problems and your troubles. You have a problem with your husband, deal with it directly. You have a problem with your wife, deal with it directly. Don't use your children as a pawn or as a weapon for anything in your relationship. Don't weaponize your children. If you do, that's child abuse. Do you understand? Don't weaponize your children ever. Never. The third, when parents are divorcing, may Allah protect us from divorce, but if it happens, I've come across families where father and the mother are fighting in court over child's custody and access. How bizarre! Have you lost your mind completely? Unless the father or the mother is unfit to be a child or has been found guilty of a crime against the child, you have no right to prevent the father or the mother from seeing or having access to the children, even if you're divorcing. Do you understand my point again? And I say this with greatest of regret. I see this amongst our sisters more often than the brothers. Naturally, the children have mother as their caretaker, most important caretaker. Naturally, and Islam says the same, the mother should have the right to look after the children unless she's unable to, unless there are other circumstances, of course, until the age of puberty. But I've seen where sisters are using the children to punish their husband to say, no, I'm not going to give you access because I'm angry with you. My sister, what's the matter with you? Why are you abusing a child, using and weaponizing a child to get back at your husband. And I've seen the same in some brothers, that they go to court to take the children away from their mother. The mother is perfectly fit. Rasulullah said in a very beautiful hadith, whoever separates a mother from her child, Allah will separate him from his loved ones on the day of judgment. Are you listening? Whoever separates a child from that child's mother, Allah will separate you from your loved ones on the day of judgment. If you're a father, you want access to your child? Yes, you have every right to access. You have no right to snatch the children away from the mother and then de deprive the mother of the right to her children. She is the natural caretaker of the children until the age of puberty. That's what Islam says. Unless the mother is incapable, unfit mentally, physically, and it has been established by court and experts, not by you, because you have a vested interest. 
So I say to brothers and sisters, never weaponize your children during divorce or after divorce. Don't weaponize your children. Allah on the day of judgment will hold you accountable for it. If you don't fear Allah, you fear nothing. If you don't fear Allah, you fear nothing. And I say this with the greatest pain in my heart because I get so many cases like this to me. Brothers and sisters crying. Brother, I haven't seen my children for five years. My wife will not allow me. Why? Because she doesn't like me. Oh, my dear sister. Oh, my dear sister. What will you say to Allah on the day of judgment? What will you say to your children on the day of, on the, on, when the children are old enough and they say, Mother, why did you stop me from seeing my father? Even if you've been telling them lies and fibs and making up stories against your husband, making up as if he's a monster. When they grow up and they find out that they, you have been lying and you've been making up stories, they will go completely against you and turn against you and you will hate him. Something called justice, adl, justice. Protecting our children in every sphere is essential part of the amana Allah has given. So don't weaponize your children during divorce or post-divorce. They're children of both parents. I often say to couples, please tell your children if you're divorcing. Children, we're divorcing, but we're not divorcing you. We'll never divorce you. We'll look after you. And the fourth thing I want to say, post-divorce, brothers, I have come across this very often. Brothers take no responsibility for maintenance of their child and their wife who's looking after the child. No, it's not my problem. You claim social security. Brother, what's, what's wrong with you again? Why are you not thinking about Allah on the day of judgment? Can you say to Allah, oh Allah, I abdicated my responsibility and social security was paying. I didn't have to do anything. Can you really get away with it on the day of judgment? Some people think, yeah, yeah, I'll make hajj at the end and I'll ask Allah for, to forgive you. I'll ask Allah to forgive me. You can ask Allah to forgive you for hajj, yes, with, on hajj, for the mistakes that you've made against Allah. But mistakes and abuse that you've given to human beings, Allah will not forgive you even if you do 50 hajj. You have to ask those people to forgive you. So once the divorce has taken place, you're no longer together. If you're a man, it is Allah's duty, a man's duty to provide for his children. Work hard to provide for his children. I told my wife, if I stopped working and if I did not provide for you, I will not feel like a man. I told her, if I didn't pay for the house and if you paid for the house or anything in this house, I will not feel like a man. I would think I'd become emasculated. And yet I see brothers don't care. Don't even take a iota of shame when they do nothing, lazy around at home or provide no childcare to their children because they think it's okay. It's not okay. It is not protecting your children or their rights. And finally, my brothers and sisters, children will grow up. They'll look after you only if you had been looking after them. That's the way law of nature works. Sunnah Allah, it's how it works. You have not shown any mercy and kindness to your children. You've exploited them. You've abused them. You've weaponized them. You've deprived them. Your children will not even look at you when you grow up when you're older and when they're old and when you're unable to move and you need their help and assistance, you'll be alone. No, of, none of your children will look at you because you've weaponized them, you've deprived them, you've abused them and you've neglected them and you've deprived them of their rightful space and love and affection and protection. So brothers and sisters, I don't want to talk too much about this. Please protect your children at all costs from any abuse, 
verbal, physical, economic, sexual, any abuse, emotional, no abuse should be ever given to the children. You know, I would never hit my child, never, because in my book, hitting a child is wrong. I'm normalizing violence by hitting a child. I'm teaching this child that when you want something your way, you hit. I can, I discipline my children, of course I do. All I have to do is look at them. That's all I have to do. They know that dad is upset. They love me enough to know not to do things that will upset their father. Why would they need to be hit? May Allah have mercy on our children. May Allah have mercy on our parents. And may Allah forgive us for our failures. And may Allah make us those people who can protect our children in the best way possible. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa laqibatu lilmuttaqeen wa salatu wa salamu ala muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam I will not be very long just for the second part of the khutbah insha'Allah COVID-19 has taken thousands, hundreds and thousands of people around the world it is a pandemic and the Islamic solution we've already discussed over and over again in many of our speeches throughout the last nine months and you already know Brothers and sisters, please, obey the rules. If you obey the rules, life will be better for you. But there is one thing I must address today. Some people are asking, is COVID-19 vaccination halal or haram? And I'm astonished by this question. Do you know why I'm astonished by this question? Why would you ask such a question? Why would you even ask halalness or haramness of COVID-19? Let me give you why. In Islam... When there is life and death matter, what are you supposed to do? Protect life. Protecting life is fard, is wajib, is an obligation on everybody. If you protect one life, save one life, it is like saving the lives of their entire humanity. And when there is a darura, necessity, according to Islamic law, in the Quran Allah says, Allah says you can eat pork and drink alcohol to survive when there is a necessity. So haram can become halal temporarily to protect life and save lives, right? When you take medicine, do you take medicine as though it's dessert? Do you think it's Ambala's Rasmalai? Or do you think it's a halawa from your Egyptian shop? Or do you think it's a baklava from your Turkish shop? Do you think it's that? You don't take medicine as leisure items. You take medicine because it becomes necessary. If it becomes necessary, why are you asking questions whether it is halal or haram? It is necessary. And when there is a necessity, there is no rule. All rules are suspended. I was astonished when Muslims were asking me this question. Brother, is COVID-19 vaccine halal or haram? Why would you even ask such a question? Why would you? It shows our lack of understanding and knowledge. Of course it is halal. Beyond a shadow of a doubt it is halal. What if it contains pork product? It is still halal because it is a necessity, saving lives. And remember, majority of, here, of you here are Hanafis. You follow Hanafi school of thought. Did you know, Abu Hanifa said, if something changes its state in a chemical process and becomes something very different, the ruling changes. If it's haram at the beginning, it could be halal at the end. I'll give you a good example. Alcohol. It starts halal. Fruit. Rice. Starts halal becomes haram through fermentation. The product called khamar, intoxicant, is haram. You go through the process of khamar, intoxicant, a little bit longer in the chemical process, becomes vinegar. Vinegar halal or haram? 
halal. Haram has become halal through chemical process. Use the logic of our deen. Rasulullah did not teach you and I an illogical religion, and Allah did not send a religion that contradicts the human vitra. So please don't ask this question. Vaccination is out. If you call for it, take it. In fact, I would say, I would say, and I've spoken to many of my uh, fellow colleagues in our circles of scholars and imams, I would say it is an obligation on us to take the vaccination, to protect ourselves and protect others. Muslims should be at the forefront of it. And alhamdulillah, I'm so proud. There were two Turkish people who were the first ones to break through the vaccination process in, in Germany. We know and we are so proud of them. May Allah give them the best. That's their sadaqah jariya, subhanallah. So we should be proud. We should be pioneers. And we should not be backward in our thinking. So brothers and sisters, take it from the ulama. Take it from science. Take it from the, take it from the Quran. Take it from the sharia. Vaccination is an obligation. Is a necessity. Don't ask this question. Is it halal or haram? Take it. Ah, if there is a side effect, it won't be permitted. There is a standard in our country. It is not like countries of our ethnic origin, perhaps, where such standards may not be as rigid and as good as ours. But here, don't worry. Take it. Protect your life and protect the lives of all of our people. Ya Rahman Rahimin, Ya Kamin, protect us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Strengthen us, Ya Allah. Ya Rahman Rahimin, relieve us of this calamity, Ya Allah. Relieve us of this calamity, Ya Allah. Ya Rahman Rahimin, protect our children, Ya Allah. Ya Rahman Rahimin, enable us to look after them, Ya Allah. Rabbana, taqabal minna inna kanta samul alim. Watub alayna, ya maulana inna kanta tawawur rahim. Inna Allah ya'mur bilad bil ihsani wa ita'id al-qurba. Wa anha'an al-fahshai wal munkar al-baghi. Ya'idukum la'alakum tadhakarun. Fadhkuruni adhkurukum. Wa ashkuruli wa la takfurun. Wallahu ya'lamu wa tasna'un. Aqim al-salam.